and welcome to the show this week. This is the His Film, Her Movie podcast. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And we are back for yet another episode and the cat is attached to Lauren. <laughs> it's because I'm sat in my work chair. As soon as I sit in my work chair, she thinks I'm fair game for distraction. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we've last recorded, but we are back with yes. hopefully another good episode. I think we've chose a good theme this week. I think it's a good theme. I think it's um, it's a thinker. Yeah, it is. Take us through what is the theme this week? So the film this week is we've both decided to pick films that have got like a twist. They've got something where you go, ooh, I didn't see that They've got coming. WTF moments. Yes, that is a good way of describing it. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, we've tried to do it this week. Uh, I've I've picked a film that um, was was probably classed as one of the first of that sort of kind, or the first well known. Yeah, I mean, it, it generally is. I mean, we can get get into it, but like the cultural, yes, a sort of milestone as what the film was. Yes, like it because it, it just it was a zeitgeist of the entire year, really. It was. And you have picked a film, which I had never seen before, mm. which is pretty standard in this film, <laughs> in, the, in this podcast even. But you, I remember you, you know, we'll get into it, but you said that when you first watched this, you were like, oh my God, I did not see that coming. To me, it was slightly more obvious in two right. reasons why we'll get cool. into. Absolutely. So before we get into the show, we have a bit of housekeeping. We are one of the podcasts of Pod Syndicate. Yes. The network of other shows, other film shows, pop culture, beer. And you can go over and check those shows out at wearepodsyndicate.com. But we might as well get into, like, what are the films that we've picked? Now, let's go with you because yours is a, a, a larger release. It's very, very well known. Yes. Yeah, so I went with the 1999 M. Night Shyamalan uh, film, The Sixth Sense. Yes. So, warning, there's some spoilers. <laughs> and I think when people think about twist endings or twists in films, mm-hmm. I do think that they do think about The Sixth Sense. That's first the first one that people come up with. It is, and I think that that's really why I picked it. Mm. Um, what film did you pick? I picked um, Pedro Amordovar's 2011 film, the Skin I Live In. Yes. Starring the lovely Antonio Banderas. Well, not so lovely in this. Not so lovely in this, but lovely in real life. Yes, lovely in real life. He, um, is, he is Zorro. <laughs> He's Zorro. Should, um, so yours, well, there's lots to unpack on right. yours. So I think that we should do mine first. Okay. Because if we're going to be honest, most people are going to have seen this or they're going to have seen skits or they're going to have, they're going to be much more aware of it and then we've got more time to unpack yours but no not a problem at all with me so we can get right into the show and get into the sixth sense okay matt so who moved it this time maybe someone came in our house took the bumblebee pendant out of my closet and placed it nicely in your drawer maybe I am so tired, Cole. I'm tired in my body. I'm tired in my mind. I'm tired in my heart. I need some help. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but our little family isn't doing so good. I mean, I've been praying, but I must not be praying right. 
Looks like we're just going to have to answer each other's prayers. If we can't talk to each other, we're not going to make it. Now tell me, baby. I, I, I won't get mad, honey. Did you take the bumblebee pendant? No. You've had enough roast beef. You need to leave the table. Go! So The Sixth Sense, like I said, from 1999, M. Night Shyamalan. I always feel... Shyamalan. 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 <laughs> I feel really bad. I can't say his name. I never have. Shy. Shy. Am. Am. Alam. 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 Okay, well now you just confused me. Okay. Call him M. Knight. Knight. M. Night. Okay, M. Night. Everybody has seen at least one of his films. He is... The modern day king of the WTF sort of genre. He likes to it's, twist things. It's his trope. It is his trope. And he's good at it. You might as well stick to something that you're good at. If you go see one of his films, there's going to be a bit where you go, what? What just happened? Mm. Which is good. Sometimes you need a film that makes you think. Sometimes if you want a film where just crap blows up, you know who to go to. We really need to watch The Happening. <laughs> okay. We'll watch that one. We'll watch that one in our downtime. Um, But this, uh, for people who have been living under the rock for the past 30 years and have never seen this film, it's Bruce Willis, a.k.a. my mum calls him the man who mumbles. Right. She's not a fan. Um, Hayley Joel Osment, uh, Tony Collette, just to name just like the top three sort of people in it. And it follows um, a child psychiatrist who's helping a young boy with some psychiatric issues and the boy eventually is able to confide in him that he he sees dead people all the time. Yes. I remember watching this film and... I hope you do. <laughs> like for the first time. I don't know what age I was when, it, when I very first watched it. Um, I was like, did I go to the cinema for this? And then you pointed out that no. You would have been 12. I would have been 12. Um, I thought my, you were 11, maybe. Actually. My parents wouldn't let me watch um, Nightmare Before Christmas when that came out. Yeah. Um, they would definitely not have let me go see this. And I do remember it freaking me out a little bit. But by the time I saw it, I knew mm. the big yeah. reveal. So watching it for me the first time round... Um, was really sort of uh, trying to test what I could sort of deal with in sort of the ghosts and everything. So being able to watch it when you're older, I think is quite a good thing. I think it's a film that you've maybe seen so many stupid things, so many like Saturday Night Live sketches and everything about going back and actually seeing the original finished piece. You can then appreciate it Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Um, so really I loved, I, I loved the first, like how it first started because to me, um, it's a very old sort of fashion sort of style credits, which I think was really good, especially at that sort of time. Um, I think you kind of see people sort of harking back to that a little bit more nowadays, but back then you didn't, you didn't in like 1999, it was like a boom, right? You're straight in the film. Mm-hmm. type thing and then you fade into like the old style edison edison bulb and mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of a creepiness to it all really good and just how how it's sort of shot there's like lots of close-ups on different things um one thing that i really liked is when what's his name malcolm 
Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm and his wife are like in the living room and they're like, oh, that's an expensive frame. Mm. Everything. You can see them like reflected in the award, lots of little things like that. And I think that's a really nice sort of way to look at it. And I don't think you really see that the first time round. You notice these like little bits and there's like the close-ups of like Cole's, uh, the little boy's hand mm-hmm. on the kitchen table. And you can sort of see like the perspiration, like the heat when he's been so nervous um the shots of like uh tony collette his mum uh going from like the kitchen to the laundry back to the kitchen and then in literally a couple of seconds everything's open everything's done it's like look like it's, one continuous yeah it's shot. all done in camera it's but it's great to see um especially as i think like i said like the first time you watch it you're like oh it's the shock it's this it's like oh it's spooky but when you watch it again, you know what's happening. You can appreciate how it's being made. Yeah. You can appreciate the time and the lots of like little bits that you've had to they've had to like think of. And I think that's what M Night is very good at. There is times where he can maybe go a little bit too much into the detail, but I think he's got it a good sort of level in it in this film. Everything is kind of like taken care of. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. It's, no, it does. I mean, especially in his, I always said first three, but The Sixth Sense was actually his second film. And mm-hmm. um, the first one really was not much seen. But in The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, he does have this great style to him. Mm-hmm. Now, that diminishes very quickly with his next sort of five, six films. Yes. Because um, that's one of the things is like, it, I think The Sixth Sense comes with baggage. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't only really come with baggage, which is the fact that it is the cultural sort of phenomenon as it was. I mean, it was the second highest grossing film of 1999. Yes. And it was only second because a film called The Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and so you've got that baggage, but you've got, obviously you've got the baggage of the twist. But going back to this, you've got the baggage of where Shyamalan's career has gone since, mm-hmm. which is very much on the downward trajectory and mm-hmm. um, started off so well uh, and then it, it, it's been sort of like a road of diminishing returns since. I mean, he's, he's, he's came back with Split and Class. Split was okay, mm-hmm. Class was meh, but they're going back to the, the cinematic universe of the Unbreakable film. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because of... The amount of money, the expectation, or him just believing his own hype. Like, why do you think it is? Bit of both. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think... I always say that films are better when they've got restrictions put on them. Mm-hmm. However, when a filmmaker... And again, he's, he's a writer as well, so he writes all his own movies. When they put that restriction on them saying that we've got to have a twist at the end, that really, like stifles the creativity because yes. you know it's coming and the, the, the storyteller needs to go to that point mm-hmm. where... So you can kind of sometimes see it coming. You can see it coming, but also you try... It feels like sometimes the films are backwards engineered. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, I've got this great twist. Now let's just think about some fluff in the so beginning. to get us there. To get yeah. us there. Um, I have to say, like, I do... My favourite character in the whole of this is Toni Collette. I love mm-hmm. Toni Collette. I think she's a wonderful actress. I think she's the kind of actress where you can 
see her in loads of different roles and you know it's Tony Collette but at the same time she looks different mm-hmm. in every role like we just had this sort of conversation about um, Rosamund Pike like, the other yeah, yeah. night about how you know her you know her face but there's just like when she gets into a role and I, and I believe Tony Collette's like the same like everything is different you see some actresses and they've always got a little bit of a oh right yeah I kind of know that I kind of know that um, sort of look about them. She, she's a character actor, um, and like I think that term gets mostly put to like males. Like when people mm-hmm. think about great male character actors, you're thinking of, I mean, even though they came to be a lead, but like Philip Seymour Hoffman in the yes. 90s, um, Bill, Dun- uh, Bill Denhenny. Don't attack me! Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. she is, she's the lead in some films, but she's a person who just blends into everything. Yeah. She, she doesn't look ever look out of place. No, and I think that's it. Like, because I don't feel like that's like an insult to her because no. she's an attractive woman, but she's not to the point where, like, you, you can believe her to be a struggling single mum. Mm. You can believe her to be... Um, like the friend who like net doesn't get married or anything because like I love that film, I love that film so much. Um, Muriel's bridesmaids. Muriel's wedding. Muriel's wedding. That's it. <laughs> Muriel's bride- just just mix two films together. <laughs> but like that was my first time I ever saw her. Yeah, yeah. And then to see and like to see her in other roles, you're like, oh my god, that's the same woman. And mm. I think she brings it to this film as well. She's a wonderful mum in this. She's so supportive and she's so understanding. And she's just desperately trying to keep some sort of security and stability for her son and to understand what he's going through and not be judgmental. But at the same time, you can just see like the stress is just getting to her. You can see mm. just bubbling under the surface when she starts getting a little bit exasperated with him. Um, so I love her in this. Um, my favourite bit of the whole film and I know, I know it's the twist, but I love the twist in this film. Mm. Because in about 30 seconds to one minute, Cole sort of like explains like the whole thing. And you have the whole bit of Malcolm just sort of like realising that, that sorry, he's dead. Yeah. Um, and it going back over, like they don't interact with their surroundings and they don't do this and they don't do that. And then you realise lots of little things like um, his mum, like Tony Collette and Malcolm never sat on the same sofa. They would sit opposite each other, but Tony Collette was never like looking at him, never interacted with him. It was just silence. When he was doing the penny trick, it was a penny that he took out of his own pocket. He never Mm. got the penny off off somebody else or of coal. Um, They would go and talk in empty churches um, they would talk just walking down a corridor, just the two of them. Uh, lots of different things that when you then look back and you're like, actually, yeah. Because when you watch it, I think the first time you're like, no, he's been interacting. He's sat with the mum and he's done this. But then when you rewatch it, you actually go, actually, no, he's been in the house. Mm. But he's never spoken to the mum that we have seen on film. But th- and that's the baggage as well. He's... Mm-hmm. And we talk about films, especially films with twists, because they are such a unique experience. Mm-hmm. Because don't get me wrong, every films have twists and turns because that's how you plot a movie and that's how you tell a story. Yeah. However, a twist 
film is different because it normally is something that is like a revelatory, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's revealed to you as an audience because it's been taken away. It's It's been sort of hidden, but within the sixth sense, it's been hidden in plain sight. Yes. However, does, and here's a question really, does knowing a twist compl- give you a different experience watching the film? Because, like, especially even like, you can only watch The Sixth Sense, it's not, it sounds really, but one time the first time where, yes. it's going to, where it's going to surprise you and where you do get that adrenaline <gasps> yeah. rush at the end. Whereas every time you watch that film after it, mm-hmm. you're analysing it. Especially yeah. the second time, you're analysing it, you try and pick it out, pick a pattern and say, did this happen, did that not happen? So like, so you, you, you knew the twist when you were, before you'd seen it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's, uh, there are some people out there that say, I don't care about spoilers. And I'm like, well, don't get me wrong, each to their own. However, a surprise is a bullet in the chamber of any storyteller. Oh, yeah. And the way the film's plotted is manufactured that way, it's structured that way for a reason, to mm-hmm. deliver an effective moment. So it's like... If something like that was spoiled, we get not spoiled because it was so big in Sixth Sense. You'd, yeah, you it, couldn't outrun it. You couldn't outrun it, not at all. But again, yeah, it's. I think twists are great things for plots, especially if they if they're sensible mm-hmm. and they're not like crazily stupid, because um, then it's just it feels like a, a sort of fake about it. Yeah, but no. But anything else in Sixth Sense? Um. Not all I was going to say was on, on, on that point is, yes, you, you do you look back and you do analyse it, but I think in some way it then makes you appreciate the storytelling more. It means that you then look for those little details that you, at first glance, would take one way and then you look at it another way and take it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can be quite hard um, to write a story where the end of it is a twist mm. and be able to set it up without you knowing what happened. And I think that, yes, M. Night has done this since then and the twists have been fairly obvious, but this one was a very good one where it wasn't. It blew, blew, blew people's minds. It did. It completely blew people's minds. I think this is a... And that's why I picked it. I think it's a very good example of it being done well and it hit... it. it affecting cinema goers from then on it's like after that i kind of feel like there is people now kind of expect there to be a twist i think it changed what people's perspectives and what they thought a film could do Mm -hmm. and would would be like especially i think after this sort of time um it will be fine. It's fine for people. It's fine if you want to kill off the main character within the first twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And other people have used that in TVs and in TV shows and mm, films. Psycho, and, Psycho is like the most famous. Exactly, but like that—that that was Psycho is like from one time period, yeah. and then it's been updated for this one and done in a different way. Um, but I think it probably helped open the door for other film takers to make to take more risks mm-hmm. and. To as well maybe 
I don't mean it in an insulting way, but to maybe see their audience as being a bit cleverer. No, absolutely. And the fact is, yeah, it's what Shyamalan does well here is he manipulates his audience. Mm-hmm. But again, not all filmmakers have that skill. And say M. Night lost his mojo as it was to do that um, further on in his career. However, here, and yeah, it was, it was just having that twist at, at the end of that movie. It's what made the film a success. The mm-hmm. twist made the film what it was because yes. people just absolutely just couldn't see it coming mm-hmm. when it did happen and then they had to go back again to, to analyse to analyse and to understand and say Jesus how did I not see that mm-hmm. um, so it, it is it's smart filmmaking it is but for me it's it's been such a long time since I'd seen this film I mean a long long time maybe over 10 years mm-hmm and again, go to that baggage and where Shyamalan's career went after this and where it is currently really, I was so tentative to go back mm-hmm. because I'm like, was it just a flash in the pan? Was it the twist that I remember being great and not the film? Mm-hmm. Um, so like shrouded over bad storytelling with delivering a great twist. Yeah. But I'm so happy that... It doesn't, In it is a great, great film. Mm-hmm. I mean, genuinely well put together, well acted, well written. It is brilliant. Um, and like the film we're going to talk to about in a bit, I like how it builds its mystery. Yes. And it builds the intrigue and, it, and you're wondering sort of what's up. And it's kind of classic and it's kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Like it's the 50 minute mark when we actually do get the famous I see dead people scene. Yeah, and that was it. I couldn't remember how far into the yeah, film it was. I remember it being so much earlier on. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, though, is, is as well, it's like when you get to that scene, it's treated like a reveal. Mm-hmm. However, and I watched the first trailer for it before we did the podcast, well, I watched it yesterday, and the opening scene of the trailer is the scene in the car with the cyclist at the window... Yeah. And then it goes into I See Dead People. And don't get me wrong, I know the studio has to sell the film. I know they have to get it people into the cinema, bums in seats for this to be a success. But imagine if an experience of going to see this, not knowing much about it, maybe it's just a boy with um, troubles or something like that. Yeah. And then we get the... I see dead people. That's one twist. Yeah. Which would have blown people's minds. Mm-hmm. And then we get another twist after it. Because because we know he sees dead people, it's sort of, even though I do like that first 15 minutes and I like how he builds it up, it kind of makes it redundant because mm-hmm. everybody's just waiting for the, okay, when are we going to see the ghosts? Yes. And I would like to have, because it's hinted, quite a bit that there is maybe some d- abuse yeah, angle is, going yeah. on and maybe be more, being a bit more ambiguous about that because not, not I mean, Tony Collette doesn't give us anything within the film to say that she, she does, mm-hmm. but that would have been a nice angle to go. And then when we do get the reveal of um, the I see dead people, then everything starts to click. Yes. Um, and I thought, I think that would, would have been so much more like impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even, 
even within that scene, like the, he's being, I mean, Shyamalan as a writer is being so sort of self-aware because they, they start off with Bruce Willis telling this story about this family going into a car, um, stopping off, getting some um, gas, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And Haley Joel was like, well, you haven't, said you haven't told me any bedtime stories have you mm-hmm. and he's like no i haven't I'm like well how's supposed to go we've got to have twists and stuff yeah and it's the it, 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 the film's knowing what it is and knowing what it has to do next to keep the audience mm-hmm. um knowing and i love that about it um but yeah it's i like how scenes take the time like horror films generally cut themselves to death they're edited within an inch of their lives because you're trying to deliver scares However, there's a scene within this where um, Tony Collette's talking to Hilary Jawsmond mm-hmm. at a dinner table, and all it is is panning from one to the other, and it must be maybe a two-minute, three-minute scene, mm-hmm. but it just lets itself breathe. Yeah. Like, we don't need to have it. It's like, just do... Sometimes doing the bare minimum, bare minimum is what's needed. Yeah. Because it builds tension. Because we know the secret, and you understand why he's not telling her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, oh. I, I really did. I mean, I was really surprised of how much I actually enjoyed it Good. going back because it's damn, damn fine movie. I definitely would recommend people watch it again. Absolutely. And Hill Jordsmond, again, I mean, he got an Oscar nomination for this, but as a child actor, this is a performance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just a cute kid delivering lines. He delivers a full-blown performance. Oh, yeah. And another one is, like, it's... Yes, it is a horror film, and I don't mind it being called a horror film, but for me, it's it's a touching drama masquerading as a horror film. Yes. Because the scary moments aren't really that scary, but because it has ghosts in it, I think it does get labelled as a horror. Yes. I mean, there are horror elements, but I think it is much more thrilling than it is scary. I don't think the ghosts are anywhere near as scary as I remember them being. No, they aren't. And again, it's... The only one that's really, I'd say, is angry is the woman. The woman who's been beaten by her husband. Yeah. Yeah, which, to be honest, I can totally understand and, that. And that's it. And like, and that's why I think it, it being labelled as is horror, I mean, it amps up the tension in those scenes because mm-hmm. it's a young child sort Not of running away. And, yeah. And, and, and sort of hiding. So you do get the scariness from there. But, yeah, it's it really is. It, it just it actually stands up, which I was really, really surprised of. Good. I'm pleased I picked a good film. You did? Thanks. So we'll have a break and we'll come back with my film. Yay. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, 
all the places that podcasts can be found. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. no just, just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. pastillas. Ah, sí. Cipralex 20. 100 miligramos de, de Prax. 2 gramos de tranquimacín. Bueno, Reynol ya no tomo. Hay lírica, claro, eso. Hostias. Yo también voy hasta el culo. ¿Hasta el culo? So yeah, my film is The Skin I Live In, the 2011 psychological thriller from Pedro Almodovar, starring Antonio Banderas and Elena Anaya. So Ben Banderas plays a doctor called Robert. Mm -hmm. He is this mysterious man who's working on a project regarding synthetic skin, trying to make skin stronger. That, And it's, it's hinted at that it could make malaria thing of the past because no mosquitoes would be able to penetrate it yeah you know like it might stop skin cancer it might stop it's really hard to burn, burn yourself yeah. um and what we find out is that he has a woman locked up mm -hmm. in a room mm -hmm. in his house and the skin i live in is basically the mystery of who is that why is she there what is this doctor doing to her mm -hmm. and finding out the whole interest, interest, intricacies of it all. Yes. So before I get into mine, it's like, again, talk about twists because we're doing these films on twists. So when you watched it and you knew a twist was coming, mm -hmm. were you looking for the twist? It's not so much I was looking for a twist. I did kind of... The whole part of the film is, who is this woman? Yeah. So, I, I don't know how... I'm not obviously going to say who the woman is, but I was like, is it this person? Is it this person? And then was like looking at it and then looking at the evidence. So, at first I thought it was, like, his wife. Yes. But then he said something and I was like, right, it can't be her. And I thought it was another woman who would be close to him. But then as things progressed, I was like, oh, but this, this happened earlier? Mm -hmm. So, and he's just showing this happening to her. So that means she wouldn't have had this reaction if, if the ex hadn't happened to her previously and everything. So, in some ways, I looked for a twist. In other ways, it was my normal way of watching something. Like, we will sit and watch film and I'll go, oh yeah, that's going to happen. And you'll be like, 
how did you know that? And it, I think it's also just kind of like how my brain mm. sort of works. So I wouldn't say so much as a twist. I was very focused on trying to work out who the woman was. And absolutely. And I think maybe it could be just me as a me as a viewer, because maybe I am just very, very gullible. Of like, you know what I mean? I, I get taken on that journey where me, I'm maybe more passive in my viewing. So therefore things happen to me rather than me trying to work it out. But like I said, mm-hmm. when I first watched this film, it was just one of those where I had to pause it. Yeah. And I was like, what just happened? Yeah. Because it wasn't until quite late on when oh, I when I, when I actually got it. Mm-hmm. Where, which me, the twist actually itself happens, I'd say maybe you're half, halfway through the film when we actually find out who um, Vera is. But I was just like, right, okay, where the... Where's this film going now? Mm-hmm. You, you're led to believe one thing, and you let and it, it, it is a completely different. I mean, we could talk about this, the twist of it. It's a it's a ten year old movie. Yes. Um, but I want you to talk about the twist. It's your film. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, I mean, first and foremost, I just think it is a it's great genre like genre filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it amps up its thriller elements and um, some horror elements and properly grasps you it, it really digs its nails in yeah and you've got these obvious comparisons to eyes without a face which, which is this spanish 1960 horror film from george franju in the sense of the tone and the fact that there's this woman locked in the house with a mask on but also the fact that you've got a mad scientist doctor operating on this woman but but also you've also you've got these you'll be able to hopefully testament to this like a few months ago we watched all the universal horror movies yes and i felt very strongly the vibes of those especially frankenstein yes, yes. and invisible man mm-hmm. and that those throwbacks yeah. to, to this movie um, and it completely embraces the darkness of its storyline mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's just such such a treat and yeah it's, it's like an old style movie that's just dressed up in a in a new skin but excuse the pun <laughs> i was gonna say that's a very good play on words apt for this film <laughs> but that's it and i love the structure i love how our mode of art like Shyamalan builds his tension because we get the mystery first and we amp up that relationship mm-hmm. but then we hit the twist so Let's talk about the twist. Okay. So Robert's got this woman trapped, imprisoned in his house. It's not his dead wife. It's not his dead wife. I knocked her off first, my list. <laughs> it is. It's not his what? It's not his daughter. No, it is. So we find out that at a party, somebody rapes his daughter. Mm-hmm. And... Because of the way it worked and because she was troubled to begin with, when Robert Banderas' character goes to comfort her, she thinks that he was the one who attacked her. Yeah, because she was knocked out and the first person she sees is him upon waking and she becomes hysterical. So what Antonio Banderas does is kidnap the boy who raped his daughter. Vincent. And then give him a sex change yes and then fall in love with her oh it's not only that he also gave him his dead wife's face yes as well 
So there's so much messed up thing going up. In, in, Very messed up. And that's the thing. I was, when, I, when I picked this film, because I, I mean, I loved it because I, I think I think there's some dark elements to the movie. It's, it is quite black. Mm-hmm. However, I do think it is fun. And did you feel the same? I thought it was very fun. Um, so I literally, I was like, look, look at this, look at this. And I just went, I put, is she his dead wife? And then I put, is she his daughter? And then literally the line of that is, is she the boy who raped his daughter? And there are clues. There are clues dotted yeah. throughout. So my first clue was um, Vera is um is, is is raped herself in the film yes and robert comes home and he shoots the man who's his half brother in the back yeah can we talk about that scene as well because again yes. we're talking about the darkness and we're talking about how like strong some of the scenes are oh yeah like there is a rape scene within this movie mm-hmm. however what i think Almodovar does really intelligently is not find the humour in it. Oh God, no! There's no humour in it. But all. find a obscurity to it because what the person who is raping Vera mm-hmm. is dressed in a giant tiger costume, and there is there is that sort of yes. clownness about it. Yeah, and it's just sort of like, what am I watching? Is so crazy. See, now I don't think it was clownness. He's literally dressed as a predator. There we are. That's a great idea. He's literally dressed as a predator, and then Vera is his prey. But um, that's it. Robert comes in. He shoots Zeka. Yeah. Which I think I spelt about eight million times differently. <laughs> Zeka. Yeah. Um, and then sort of rolls him off Vera, and Vera gets up, and she's got blood on top of it, but there's blood going down her leg, and it's the wrong place. Yeah. Basically, it it doesn't match up with where Zeka was shot or anything. So I spoke that, and it's literally a split second. But the colour palette for this is very, it's very cold. Mm. Everything is very light coloured. So any sort of warmth, any sort of vibrant colours do stand out quite a lot. So you see the red and you see, oh, it's on her. And I think that was would have been your sort of thing. Mm. She's got She's got blood on her. He's just been like, just the guy's just been shot on top of her. That's why she's got blood on her. It's on like her right thigh, going down the inside of her thigh. To me, I was like, she's been raped. That is because she has not had sex before. That is why. So I went, right, it won't be his dead wife because obviously she has given birth. Mm. She would hopefully not rupture as much. So that's why I put... Is she his daughter? Yes. Um, the other thing was, um, at the very first scene that you see of Vera, she's making different artwork and, yeah. like... Moulds. Moulds and heads. Papier-mâché. Papier-mâché with, like, all different kinds of, like, material and bandages and everything. And when you get a bit of a throwback to Vincent, the first thing you see him doing is working on a mannequin that is made the same as the this mm. artwork in a shop but again it's not something that you focus on and you sort of see it's sort of like a weird sort of straw thing in a window that he's just sort of dressing and then you have him sort of talking and blah blah, blah. and then um then you see him sort of make the day that he goes missing 
you see him working on a different mannequin and it is in the exact same style as what Vera is has been making. Yeah. Um, so to me, I was as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's him. That's who it is. Because I thought, but I thought it was really good, but that that twist was really good and I like that there was the background to sort of hold it up mm. because sometimes you get these twists and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's not right. And then you sort of then go through the kidnap with Vincent and his experiences and how he is now became Vera. But the, and this is why I think, talking about like the structure and how it is built is really, imp- really important because the way our mode of our works it is mm-hmm. he juggles with the idea of victim and antagonist mm-hmm. because we are all led to believe Vera is a victim and she is in the current situation where we find her. However, he she's is, a victim in that situation yeah, because she was an antagonist, or he yeah. was the antagonist in a rapist, um, and it's sort of like well, and you're, you're playing with that moral ambiguity of it all. It's like, does he deserve this? Does mm-hmm. he not? No, I'm not saying, but the fact that he brings up these arguments, and in, in and I've never seen it in a film before or after or, but. Having, I, mean, I don't want to call it bravery, but just the, the 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 idea of having a rapist then going through the experience of being raped. Yes, it is some four D level chess <laughs> shit. <laughs> but then, it, but it is you, you, you're juggling with what he does. I think he plays with sympathy as like a weapon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it each seemed like, oh, we feel sorry for this person, but we should be really be feeling sorry for them because even Robert yeah. is a victim because mm-hmm. he's been put into his position where... He's lost everybody. He's lost everybody and this person's ruined his relationship with his daughter mm-hmm. and he was a loving father. He was, yeah. And yeah, I, I just think, it's, I think it is really just masterful. My favourite bit was when um, Vera comes back from shopping and she's wearing the same dress that you see Vincent. Yes. And you were like, is she? And I was like, yes. That is the exact same jet dress that um, he tried to get um, his, his, co-work, sister, yeah. his co-worker to wear. And she said, if you think it looks so good, you wear it. Yeah. And he was like, all right then, I will. And he is. Yeah. And he looks great. He does. But... And I think it's one of those, it's, I mean, Banderas doesn't get enough love for himself as an actor, I don't think. Because he, he has played silly roles in the past and he was in Scab by Kids and whatever. But, don't you knock Spy Kids? But Banderas with Almodovar, I mean, he's been working with him since, like, I think 1989 mm-hmm. with, um, with Time Me Up, Time Me Down, which is, again, is a weird movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kidnaps a actress the actress tries to break away falls in love with him oh, and then, okay, so, so it's, it's a bit of a um stockholm syndrome kind of thing it's yeah. very crazy but yeah it's i mean elena and i not only is she a very striking woman to look at mm-hmm. but like she she's she's got these like gentle features towards mm-hmm. and like the imagery that it has of her on that big screen and Banderas just looking at her on the it's it's yeah 
it, it's great sort of visual cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I, I just love the plot of this movie. It rips all, it's two hours long, but it feels... Oh, it was. Like, it didn't feel like a long movie. There's like enough to enough to keep it powering yeah. along. And and yeah, I agree. Like what you said. Like the only thing I sort of knew of Banderas was like the standard Hollywood, yeah. general sort of stuff. And yeah, when you think about it, he gets. It, it sounds really bad. I feel like they, they just sort of treat him as all like a token. Yeah. They don't give him. He doesn't get. Obviously, I can't speak. I don't know what he's offered, but he hasn't yeah. played any sort of big, serious roles as far as I can. He had Captain Corelli's mandolin, was that? No, Nicholas Cage. Is that Nicholas Cage? With a terrible accent, yeah. Oh, okay. But no, like Bandera is when he gets to work in his own language. And don't be wrong, he has been good in American. Like The Mask of Zorro is a fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, like, it's a prototype of all the pirates, the Caribbean movies. When you watch it, it's mm-hmm. it really does have that. Um, plot by plot and yeah it's when he works with our mode of art obviously it's somebody he likes collaborating with and with this again just embracing that darkness embracing the fun but also telling this really horrifying tale i feel like this is more of a horror see i would say more thriller but there is horror horror elements like the actual idea of it all is it's horrifying. It is horrifying. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of, probably one of my favourite ones we've done on this podcast. I, I haven't seen it in a fair few years and going back to it was was a great experience. Now, these, these are the sort of films where I wanted to start this podcast mm-hmm. to, to get you to watch them because generally, I mean, to be honest, you're pretty good with foreign language cinema. Yeah. However, I don't think you would ever see this and say, I want to watch that. No, I tend to stay very much in my comfort zone. Mm. Um, I think that um, unless somebody really recommends something for me, I tend to seem to stick to French mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. Awesome. Good to try something different. And I think that is about our show for this week. Yes. And we'll be back again with another episode soon. We're probably going to be looking at every other week for now. Yeah, for now, probably every other week. We'll see how we go. Yes. See how motivated we can actually get. And if we get out of this lockdown anytime soon. Well, if we get out of this lockdown, you won't hear a word from us. You'll just be like, yeah, running wild. Well, the thing is, it's... We're getting into a completely different (laughs) conversation here. But I do think with, with... You cherish those sorts of times when you can sit down and watch a movie more when when it's not kind of the time isn't forced on you like generally we could just sit here and watch movies all day but you don't enjoy them you don't enjoy them whereas if you put aside some time yeah to say i'm going to watch this Mm -hmm. then maybe it is a little bit more cherished it is i think that's it i think there's something to be there's something good about a binge watch it can be comforting it could be nice but i think Especially this sort of time, this past year has definitely sort of shown you that you need to sort of watch with more intention Hmm. to be able to really enjoy things. And I think that's why we have sort of struggled because all we've been able to do is sort of binge watch to get through the days. Yeah, and binge watch and watch stuff that generally is easy and nice yeah. and don't get me wrong I'm not a person who I think I can disengage quite well of 
like watching something like I can watch some of her horrifying even in these times but again sitting down and talking about it is another thing yeah it's yeah. The, the, the other level of yeah. processing but I said we'll be back soon, probably every other week but if we're back next week then we're back next week we're going to play it back here yes I think it's the best thing to do cool well that is goodbye from me and goodbye from me and you'll hear from us soon this podcast is part of the pod syndicate valley for more criminally compelling shows articles and conversations head to wearepodsyndicate.com <laughs>